Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. Last time on the Multiverse Blues. Since the show must go on, the crew of Hope's Tour took to the stage again with jewels at the sound and light boards. Unfortunately, an attack on Hope interrupted the show, and the crew were forced to flee the Harmony Theater in their tour bus. Will Jules and the crew be able to outrun the agents of the Arch Authority and get off-world somewhere out of their reach? The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 16, Traveling Riverside Blues The next few minutes were a blur as we hustled into Hope's touring van, La Esperanza, and then hung on tight as Zamboni burned rubber, getting us out of there. We emerged from the underground parking for the Harmony Theater to a chorus of car horns and a couple of shrill screams from pedestrians diving out of our way. To be honest, I didn't get a good look at what happened next because I had thrown myself into a seat next to Hope and had to hold on to keep from being thrown around the cabin. Hope held on tight to me as well. I hope I comforted her as much as she comforted me right then. Her solid body, her strong arms, her smooth, cool skin— all helped me through the chaos of our escape. A few blocks later, we plunged down into another tunnel, an underground highway, lined by continuous lighting bars up above. I thought it strange that we had the highway mostly to ourselves, since traffic elsewhere never seemed to let up. I wondered where the other jewels might be, but then I caught a glimpse of them up in the driver's compartment with our robot driver. At one point, we veered onto an off-ramp that led even further downward into the depths below Delta's version of Chicago. The lights here were sparse and yellow, like old sodium lights back home. The tunnel was narrow, not much wider than the lane we drove in. I hoped it ran only one direction. Dribbler broke the silence. Where's that twenty years taking us, Jules? This don't look like we're going anywhere near the arch. Reluctantly, I detached myself from Hope's wonderful embrace and held up my hands, palms upward. How should I know? Dribbler frowned. I got a bad feeling about this. What if it's a trap? Harling cleared his throat, standing in the aisle, feet spread apart enough to brace him for the movements of the bus. He gestured in the direction of the other jewels with the long rifle he held close to his body. I reckon if it's a trap, that someone's going to have some new holes to worry about. Bab stood up from her seat and pumped a fist. Yes, I'm with you, Harlan. We'll kick some ass if it comes to that. I do not wish harm on the other jewels, sang Hope. Let us try to find other ways to resolve such a situation. If it is a trap, the other jewels has no way of notifying anyone where we are and where we are going. Marcy shook her head. Maybe not, but maybe it was arranged ahead of time? Maybe the Yahoo with the gun in the theater was meant to flush us out and then Jules would take us someplace specific for capture? There was a pause while we all considered that. Then I spoke up. Could they know that Jules would be revealed? That we'd trust them into taking us somewhere like that? I can't picture setting something like this up in advance. Hope touched my arm and sang, if you do not imagine it is something you might think of, then perhaps this means it is not something this other jewels would do either. I sighed. Sure, but I wouldn't have done a lot of the things this jewels has done. She smiled and squeezed my arms. Of course you wouldn't, love, which is why you are the superior jewels in every way. But I get the feeling your twin is being forced into action. The bus slowed toward a stop. 
We all looked forward and saw there was a checkpoint or toll booth ahead. Betcha this is the trap, growled Harlan. Babs leaped across the cabin, flattening herself against the wall next to the side exit door. Don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Babs, hold on, sang Hope. I stood and started toward the front of the bus to have a word with my twin. Jules, no, barked Harlan, waving me away with the barrel of his rifle. I won't be able to tell you and the other one apart if I need to. Scoot. I met Harlan's eyes and saw something dark in them. This soldier meant business. I held up my hands and stepped aside. If you say so, Mr. Harper. Sides, he said in a softer tone. If this is legit, how do you think them at the booth's going to react to the two of you together? I made my way back to Hope, who stood and took my hand. Harlan is right. If Delta Jules is being honest with us, you need to stay hidden for now. If this is a trap, perhaps you should go upstairs for a bit? I shook my head and held her hand firm in mine. No, I'm not letting you all take that risk without me. Marcy and Hope exchanged a look. Marcy said, Look, Jules, that's very brave of you and all, but you'll put us in danger. At least go back into the kitchenette in case someone boards and takes a half-assed look around. The bus stopped. Hope pulled me back toward the other room. No room for argument in her stride. I let her pull me and couldn't think of anything useful to say as she opened the door and motioned me in. And then Sam Boney's voice buzzed over the intercom speakers. We have been confirmed as guests of Jules Martin. We may proceed into the complex. Hope and I stared at each other. I said, the complex? She touched her snout with both flipper hands in that Tristellian shrug of hers and sang, I do not know either, Jules. She started to rejoin the others, but I stopped her with a light touch on her shoulder. She faced me, smiling, and waited. Hope, I stammered. Thank you for recognizing the real me. I was afraid. She reached to pull me into an embrace, and I welcomed the hug. She sang, My kind has traveled to other worlds long enough that we know how to tell souls apart, despite appearances. I know you, Jules. I see you. When I turned my head to look her in the eyes, she met me with another kiss. I let myself get lost in her embrace, her kiss, for a long moment. The rest of the verse could take care of itself for a bit. Harlan called from up front. Hope, the robot and the other one need you in the driver's compartment. She slipped away from me, leaving me warm and a little confused. So I followed in her wake. I cannot comply with this command, stated Zamboni, bringing the bus to a halt, seemingly nose to nose with another identical bus in front of us. I saw the other jewels and myself behind that windshield, as well as Delta jewels in this cart compartment with Zamboni, Hope, and myself. This did not help my confusion at all. The mirrored surface of the portal was contained in an arch barely bigger than La Esperanza herself. It would be a tight squeeze driving through here. Their face red with some upset, my twin let out an exasperated sigh. Look, we don't have time for this. Let's just drive on through. Where does this portal go? asked Hope. Delta Jules turned to face Hope and stammered. I'm, I'm not sure. It's exploratory, and it's not guided by a mind. Like a Tristellian? Like Coral? sang Hope, a dangerous note in her voice. My twin nodded and swallowed hard before continuing. Yes, your people are attuned to the paths between the worlds. Our machines can only do so much. Most expeditions through this portal never return but it's all we had before 
Hope raised her voice now, visibly trembling. Before enslaving my people to make your machines work better? To make the arch authority wealthy beyond imagining? I touched Hope's upper arm with my fingers to lend support, but she shook me off. Delta Jewel's eyes widened, and they held up hands between themselves and Hope. I didn't... I, I couldn't... It wasn't me. I did what I could. Hope breathed in deep, and I thought she might scream at the other me, but instead let out her breath in a whistling gust, making her headscarf flutter around her as she deflated. She sang much quieter, but with danger in her tone. Well, we are in luck. I am a Tristellian. If this portal goes to the, to the paths between the worlds, I can guide us. You are no longer needed, Jules Martin of Delta Earth. But please, Hope, don't leave me here, Hope's eyes narrowed. If you had approached us openly, we would likely have brought you with us. Your fate, for tricking us, is to remain on your own world and try to undo the arch-authority's enslavement of Tristellians from within the organization. And know this, I see you now. I will always see you as different from my jewels, or any other jewels we may encounter. Do not try this trick again. Delta Jewels wept and nodded. I'm sorry, so sorry. I'll do everything I can to free Tristellians. But, but they have captives in every arch world. I don't know how. Hope cut them off. Do what you can. Recruit others. Make a difference, Jules. I tried. The whole idea was to warn you. Warn us, I cried. You sent me in, unprepared, not knowing I was even in danger. The other Jules' eyes flashed anger at me. You knew. You arrived in Delta on the run. I needed you to know that Hope, personally, was in danger, so you could save her. That's how I was going to make a difference. And instead, I did what you should have done. I freed Coral. You could have done what I did, and easier, any day you like. Hope took my hand with one of hers and pointed out of the cabin with her other hand. To Delta Jewels, she sang, I do not doubt your heart or your intentions, but I cannot abide deception. We cannot trust you. Now go from my bus, and to begin making a difference, do what you can to give us a head start. Delta Jewels slouched past Hope, but snatched the specks off the top of my head as they passed me. I let them since they'd need them more than I would. Hope pressed a button on the console, and her voice echoed from all over the bus's intercom system. Secure yourselves. This will be a bumpy ride. We shall drive through the portal as soon as the hatch has closed from letting our guests depart. Hope, I said. What about tying them up like we talked about? She shook her head. As they said, we have no time. And there's little they can do before we leave anyway. I don't trust them, but I know that you wouldn't betray us to the authorities, and perhaps they don't have it in them to do so either. They would have done so already if they were going to. They had ample opportunity. Now sit down and hang on. They're out, sh shouted Dribbler as I heard the side hatch close. Mr. Zamboni, would you please take us through the portal? By your command, said the robot, and the bus crawled forward toward our reflection. Red lights flashed all around us, accompanied by a klaxon. Shit, said Dribbler. They sold us out already. I peered out both side windows, but saw no sign of my doppelganger. Instead, I watched as half a dozen soldiers in Arch Authority uniforms dashed into the chamber and drew pistols from their belts. They were followed by an armored car 
with the double A logo on its hood and a gun turret on its roof. I grabbed Hope's hand and pulled her down to the floor with me. Everybody down! We've got company! Harlan slung his rifle into a holster that ran diagonally across his back, then dashed for the stairway. I'll give him something to think about from upstairs. Gunshots, along with a pang of bullets pelting La Esperanza's hull, filled the air with a deafening cacophony. Marcy screamed as an impact cracked one of the side windows into a spider web. Babs swore rapid fire in Spanish. Harlan's rifle reported from somewhere up top. The bus began to crawl forward, and as I watched, the mirrored curtain swallowed up Zamboni, Hope, and then washed over me. As it did, the noise and terror of the firefight vanished, leaving me in jarring silence. I couldn't see or hear anything at first, then only an impression of colored lights and of movement. I felt I couldn't trust my senses. I could hear my own voice and the voices of others, chanting and singing something in an alien tongue. Hope's hand in mine provided the only constant, and we clung to each other, weathering the storm of traversal together. And then we were through, in the nowhere land between the worlds. Zamboni, impassive as ever, drove the bus. Hope stood and helped me up as well. I kept a hold of her hand, since the world seemed unsteady and a bit unreal to me right then. Where, I said with a gasp, I mean, what is going to happen to us? What was the gate set for? Unknown, said Zamboni. How long will we be in between? Unknown, repeated Zamboni. What? Are we lost? Hope squeezed my hand and sat in the co-pilot seat. She sang, You forget, I can guide us through the ways between the worlds. It is why my people are so valuable to the Arch Authority, it seems. You can, I thought back to Coral, disappearing into the inactive portal, leaving me behind in Delta. Well... Lucky we have you along, then. She smiled and let go of my hand and turned to stare out the front. She sang, Your trust in me is wonderful, Jules. I did not say I knew where I was going or how to get there, but we will end up somewhere. I shall guide us. It will take concentration, however. I nodded. Okay, I'll go check on the others. As I entered the main cabin, I discovered Marcy, Dribbler, and Babs sitting on one side couch, their expressions dazed and glassy. Before I could say anything to them, Harlan's voice came over the intercom. I could use a little help up here. Jules, bring some of the pyrotechnics from the back and shake a leg. To my surprise, after the intercom cut off, I heard Harlan's rifle fire several times, answered by a deeper-throated gun somewhere behind us. I dashed past the kitchen area to the aft hatch into our supplies and grabbed a fireproof case containing some of our stage pyrotechnics. Despite its bulk, I made it up the stairs in record time. The ladder to the roof extended into the hallway of, of the upstairs, and my ears rang with the next volley of gunfire. Harlan fell from his perch and landed heavily next to me. I could hear the wind whoosh out of his chest, and his eyes bugged out with the sudden landing. Harlan, are you? Harlan waved a hand. Oh, fine, he wheezed. J just fine. I'll mine myself. Now get on up there and toss out some smoke bombs. Num number twos should do it. I tore open the case, grabbed up an armful of the dark cylinders, and climbed up to the top of the ladder. So they followed us? How? Harlan, on his hands and knees now, coughed and spat, then yelled at me, Never mind that. Just get up there. 
I peeked my head out of the hatch, and sure enough, the armored car followed us through the maelstrom, maybe a hundred feet behind us. As I pulled the igniter on three of the smoke bombs, I spied movement out of the corner of my eye. Harlan, there's someone... Something slammed into the back of my head, and everything went black for a moment. The next thing I knew, arms hooked under my shoulders, and someone hauled me up on the top of the bus. The air filled with blue, red, and yellow smoke. While I struggled against wooziness, I did my best to grab onto my assailant, but only managed to twist around to face them. It was me, the other me, Delta Jules, almost unrecognizable with an angry snarl twisting their face. They shoved at me, and my feet began to slide out from under me. They growled and said, Now you can see what it's like to be tossed out like yesterday's garbage. The other jewels shoved, and my feet lost purchase on La Esperanza's slick hull. As I fell, I managed to grab onto one of their ankles. I thought maybe I might be able to stop from falling into chaos, but my twin's footing slipped out from under them, and I had the satisfaction of hearing them fall to a heap on the roof. And then I hit the ground and had to roll to keep from being run over by Hope's tour bus. The smoke from the bomb swirled around me, and the armored car's engine roared up from close behind. Just then, a slice of sunlight cut through the colorful smoke, and a vertical rip in space showed me another world, as if behind a curtain. The armored car's guns blasted another couple of pot shots at the tour bus, and one wayward shell passed far too close to me for my comfort. Sand rained down on me, and the smoke began to clear. I only had one chance. I dived for the rip and into another world. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at, at ECGarrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ECG at SillyHatBooks.com. Hi everyone, I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. The Unafraid podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.